Proverbs in the 22nd chapter of the book of Proverbs, beginning with verse 11. That's uh, where we left off last Wednesday, and we are going to be dealing with verse 11 through 29, and uh, the teaching here in the book of Proverbs deals with who the king is close to, who the king is close to, what type of people does the king get close to, okay? Everybody understand that? Okay, there's different kinds of people, right? And the king of kings and lord of lords doesn't get close to everybody. Okay, so we're going to learn about that tonight from the book of Proverbs. So look at verse 11, please. Amen. He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his what? friend. Let's pray. Father, come before you right now. We ask your blessing, God, to be upon the reading of your holy word, Father. We ask, God, that your will would be done tonight in and through us. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's praise him one more time. Let's get the cobwebs out of our minds. And hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get our focus. Our focus upon the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're an awesome God. You're worthy, Lord. You sit upon the throne high and lifted up tonight, God. Jesus, we put our minds upon you, our hearts upon you, and be glorified in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Go to the New Testament in the Gospel of John, in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. This is what Jesus says, beginning with verse 13, John 15, 13. Amen. Okay, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for who? For his friends. Okay, verse 14, he said, ye, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So we're going to be a friend of the court, a friend of the king. The Bible says that we're friends of the Lord if we obey his commands. Amen. Verse 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So the type of people that the king wants to be around, king of kings ultimately, Jesus Christ, and those in authority, our people, as verse 11 says, who love pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Amen? So it's important that we're faithful to God, that we keep his commandments, we obey his commandments, and he'll be our friend. I want him to be my friend. Verse 11 uh, tells us that, and then verse 12 talks about a different kind of person. Uh, the eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, that means he knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows everything, right? Because he preserves knowledge. And he overthought the words of the transgressor. Now, the word transgressor means the traitor, okay? Now, we have examples in the New Testament of the worst traitor of all, and that was Judas Iscariot. And so the Bible says that God has the ability, because he's watching over the words of the traitor or the transgressor, and he has the ability to overthrow those words. Now you think about Judas Iscariot, and I don't have time to get in the New Testament and really see what the Lord said, but if we look at Judas Iscariot, 
Jesus was constantly trying to reach him. Okay? In fact, he chose him to be one of his disciples, one of the twelve disciples. Did Jesus choose the wrong man? No, Jesus cho chose the right man. Okay? When he chose the twelve. Uh, Judas Iscariot became really the devil. He became a traitor. And it wasn't because God chose the wrong person. It's because he chose the wrong things. Okay? So he didn't, he turned out bad. But God chose him. Now that means the Bible was going to be fulfilled. The scripture was going to be fulfilled that Jesus would be betrayed. The psalmist said that. Okay? But it didn't have to be Judas Iscariot. The Bible talks about a harlot riding on the back of a scarlet colored beast in the book of Revelation. That harlot, I believe, represents more than one thing, but it represents a false church system, right? Amen. So there's going to be a false church, but that doesn't mean that I have to be a part of it. So there are prophecies in the Bible about things that will happen, you know, false church systems, about uh, Judas Iscariot betraying the Lord, so on and so forth, but he didn't have to be the one that betrayed the Lord. The Lord chose him, and it was a good choice. It's just that Judas Iscariot didn't choose what the Lord chose. You understand? And so when you study him being a traitor, what is interesting about Judas Iscariot is that the Lord warned him multiple times. You read the Gospel of Matthew, you read the Gospel of Mark, you read the Gospel of John, and you'll see over and over and over how the Lord warned him because he's omniscient. As the Bible says right here, the eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge. So the Lord knew what was in the heart of Judas Iscariot. He knew what Judas Iscariot was going to do, right? And he warned Judas Iscariot over and over and over and over and over, but Judas Iscariot did not listen to the Lord, and he betrayed the Lord. Amen. So there's a choice that we make. Is that to be faithful to the Lord, to be friends of God, to obey His commands, or to betray the Lord? And remember, God is going to come because He knows. He knows everything. He knows what's in my heart, and He knows what's in your heart. So he'll come and he'll warn you. That's not to push you out the door. Okay? That's so you'll heed the warning and don't betray the Lord. Be faithful to God. Amen. So the word of God is true. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge and he overthroweth the words of the transgressor. Ultimately, you know what happened to Jesus Iscariot, right? His words were overthrown. He betrayed the Lord and then he hung himself, committed suicide. So he didn't find himself in a good place as a result of the decisions in his life, because God was behind the judgment upon them. Okay, verse 13. The slothful man saith there is a lion without, I shall be slain in the street. So this is another kind of man that you don't want to hang around with too much. Okay? You get it? You understand the subject tonight? Okay. So we don't want to hang around slothful people. We don't want to, we don't want to be slothful. Now, the highest level of understanding of the book of Proverbs is in relationship to God. So the slothful man says, There's a line without, I shall be slain in the streets. This kind of person does not move in life because they're always afraid. They live by fear. Okay, I would go apply for that job, but eh, I'm not going to waste my time. Because I just don't think I'm going to get it. So their whole life is motivated by fear. The line in the street. And sometimes there are real lines in the street. And then there's imaginary lines in the street. Right? Okay. 
So there's some people, their whole life is about fear. Well, I'm not going to do this because I'm afraid something's going to happen, you know. I'm not going to go even go out and apply for that job because I know I'm not going to get it anyway, see. So their whole life is motivated by fear. Now, if you're a husband tonight and you're this kind of person the verse is talking about in verse 13, you will constantly make excuses as to why you do not support your family. Okay? So this thoughtful man then is a man... Or a woman in some cases who's always coming up with excuses as to why they're not doing what they should do in life. Okay? Husband won't support the wife because why? He's just lazy. Just lazy. See how you make a lot of excuses, but ultimately it's just, he's just lazy. Now the highest level of understanding in the book of Proverbs is your relationship with God. So a lot of people won't come to church. You know why they won't come to church? Because they're lazy. Okay? And what do they do? They make excuses for why they don't go to church. But ultimately, most of the time, it has to do with they are just too lazy to get up and to go to the house of God. So a lot of people today, they're starting churches in their houses and they're doing their little family thing, you know. But the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is so much more as you see that day approaching. So the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, and I believe what we have to understand, the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more temptation there will be to stop attending the house of God, to stop coming to church. That's just the spirit of the age. It's a, a spirit of slothfulness, a spirit of slumber that's going to come upon people in the end times. Amen. It's already swept through Europe. Europe has very little Christianity anymore. Mostly it's Muslim. Okay? It's taken over Europe. So that spirit that's in Europe is going to try to come in. United States of America, in fact, it already is. It's a slumber. It's a slothful spirit that will get a hold of you. And you'll make excuses for why you don't walk with God the way you used to walk with Him. Why you don't pray like you used to pray. Why you don't attend church. Why you don't read the Word of God. And ultimately, is a spirit of slumber that's coming on people right now in this hour. Okay? So we, we don't want to be like this person. Because the king doesn't want to be around that kind of individual. That's slothful. That's just too lazy. Not only in life, but in their walk with God. Amen? He wants us to be diligent in the things, especially the things, uh, amen, of God. Praise the Lord. Okay, so verse 14, another type of individual that you should not hang around with, and the king does not want to be around, and that is a strange woman. Now, that means a prostitute or a harlot, all right? Okay, so the Bible says the mouth of a strange woman is a deep what? Pit. He that is aboard, aboard of the Lord, that means hated of the Lord, shall fall therein. All right, strange woman then, this woman who is uh, seductive, a woman that is immoral, ungodly, okay? Her mouth is like a pit. If you get involved with that type of a woman, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself in the mud. Now, how many sheep are out there tonight? You're, you consider your sheep in the kingdom of God. Okay. Do you know that sheep hate mud? Sheep don't like to get in mud. They hate the mud. 
And if you're a sheep, then you're going to hate the mud. You're going to stay away from the pit of this woman. Okay? She leads into the pit. She leads into hell. She leads into mud. It's a, ooh, somebody the king don't want to have anything to do with. All right? Amen. Say praise the Lord. Word of God has some very severe things to say. Now, not just a strange woman, but there could be strange men. Men that are immoral. Same thing, man. Going into the mud, going into the pit, going into the place of destruction. God won't fellowship with you if you're in those kinds of things. Okay? Uh, verse 15. The type of child. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Say foolishness. What is foolishness? It's rebellion. It's bound up in the heart of the child. It's in your child. When your child's born, they got a rebellious spirit inside of them. Okay? And we talked about this already. They train up a child. Verse 6, train up a child in the way they should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Correct? So training means to hedge him up. It means to put a fence around him. Put a boundary around him. If you let a child be permissive, if you allow them, if you're permissive with your child, you know what's going to happen? If you're permissive with your child, it's going to lead to lawlessness. Okay? So any parent that thinks, well, I'm just going to let my kid do whatever they want to do, my child, run around, go wherever they want to go, hang with whoever they want to hang, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You might not like it, but ultimately what's going to happen is it's going to lead to lawlessness because you're permissive. And God's going to hold you responsible. Now, and I know some of you given everything you had to raise your children, right? And they're still going wrong, right? But that's not on you. That's on them. But God knows if it's on us. So we cannot be permissive when it comes to our children because that will lead to lawlessness because inside of them, already shut up, is that rebellious spirit. Okay? If you've raised kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's the truth. It's the Word of God. So foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So how are you going to get that out of them? You're going to, yeah, with a rod. Now the Bible does not, it's not teaching child abuse. Okay? But what it does is, if you want to drive that rebellion or that foolishness out of the child, according to the Word of God, spankings are in order. Not abuse, but spankings done by the hand of a loving parent. That's in order. Okay, say praise the Lord. We live in an age right now, you've got to be real careful though where you do that. If somebody see you there, they turn you in. So you've got to be careful, right? You've got to be wise where you do it. But God's Word hasn't changed. So if you think there's a better way, if you listen to psychologists and philosophers out there, you think there's a better way, right? Well, I'm not going to spank my child when they rebel. Well, according to the Word of God, that's the way you drive out the rebellion out of the heart of a child is with the rod of correction. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Amen. Don't believe it, do you? Anybody believe this? This old-fashioned right. Yeah, this is old. I know. I get it. It's old-fashioned, and it's out of date. No, it's not. So if you want to play the game, you want to try the other approach, you go right ahead. But I want to tell you something. You're going to have big problems on your hands. Amen? So I, pract I live by this verse. I practice this with my kids. That's why they turned out so good. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? You just got to do it. And it's hard. You love them. It's, it's not easy to do. And it should be administered by the hand of a loving parent. Not somebody that enjoys, you know, spanking them. So the Bible does not teach child abuse. If you're abusing your children, you need to stop it. I don't think I've ever even heard say that in my spirit from the pulpit. If you're abusing your children, you need to stop it. Okay? But you do, if you're not disciplining them and correcting them with the rod, you need to start doing that because they'll get the point real quick. Right? This is the seat of education right here. You, right? You take that board, phew, they're going to run real quick. All right? So you can wrestle with them all day long. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. Fuss and let them fuss and fight with you and go back and forth all day long. Or you can take them up. Phew, it'll be over. It's called the Board of Correction to the Seat of Education. So go get you a board and write that on it. The Board of Correction to the Seat of Education. God knows what it takes. How many of y'all have a Board of Correction that has been applied to the Seat of Education? That's good. <laughs> Man, I, I had one. All I had to do is just bring it out. You know, I put it up on top of the refrigerator. And, it, and not all the time, but every once in a while I had to go get it. You know, it's okay. <laughs> Apply the Board of Correction to the seat of education, man. And it worked. At least temporarily. It's something you just have to keep repeating, right? Hallelujah. Amen. And you're killing me. No, we're not killing you. We love you. Okay, so again, we're not condoning abuse. You shouldn't be opening wounds up on your kids. It doesn't take that. They'll get the point. You spank them. And they're going to love you for it. If you don't, I don't know, as I've said before, I don't know really why. But there's something about a child. If you do not correct them that way, they will take that. You don't love me. Okay? Amen? Have you ever noticed when your children were little, you spanked them and they crawled up in your seat, in your, in your, on your lap and gave you a big old hug? You ever noticed that? It's kind of strange, isn't it? But God knows. God knows what it takes. I'm going to listen to the Lord. Hallelujah. So foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Now, when you're talking about correction, there are some things that you, you want to remember as well, not just the, just the spanking all the time, but you want to teach them that correction is redemptive. Okay? That I'm not punishing you, I, I'm doing this because I'm correcting you. And uh, the goal of correction then is redemption. It's to redeem them. It's not to drive them away. It's to redeem them. We talked about it even in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says that our Heavenly Father chastises us. Amen? He says if you're a son, 
He chastises you. If you're not a son, then you don't receive chastisement. And as I said before, the difference between a church member and a son in the kingdom is that you receive chastisement or correction from the Father. If you don't receive correction from a father, you're not a son. So the sign of true sonship in the kingdom of God is that we receive correction from the Father. I don't want to be just a church member. There's plenty of those. I want to be a son in the kingdom of God. Amen? I talked to a good brother in the Lord the other day on the phone. He doesn't live in this area. And uh, he's a minister of the gospel. And they're going through some really difficult times right now. And uh, so I talked to him and I talked to his son, his older son. And I was sharing with him. I said, God's not punishing you for sin. It's not that. It's that your God is maturing you by discipline, growing you up, making you a disciplined person. And so I got to share with him even what I taught you Sunday morning. Amen. So if you're a son of God, just get ready. The Father's going to chastise you. And it's not, and as he said in Hebrews 12, it's grievous. It's no fun. But I want to be called a son. I don't want to be called illegitimate. Okay, so if you have children, then you have responsibility as a parent to correct them, but always remember that it's for their good. And it's redemptive. So you teach them when you're correcting them, this is for your good. This is going to be a part of your, your redemption. Amen? Say praise the Lord. Next thing is confession. Correction and confession. You want to teach your children to confess. You don't teach them how to confess. What I'm saying is, if they do something wrong and you haven't taught them that when they do something wrong, they need to admit that they did something wrong, then they'll always grow up and they will always have a hard time repenting to the Father. Because they, no matter what they do in life, if they haven't been taught to confess, Amen? Say confess. That means you teach them. Did you do something wrong? No, I didn't do anything. Yes, you did. Confess what you did wrong. Have them say it. What they did wrong. Confession is very, very important. You've got to teach them to admit when they're wrong. If you don't teach them that, they're going to grow up and they're never going to be wrong. And nobody can do anything with them. And ultimately, they're going to be lost because they'll never ask God for forgiveness. Because they'll never say, I'm wrong. One of the hardest things for some reason for people to say is, I'm wrong. I'm not right. I'm not, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I think the reason for that is, maybe we weren't trained enough in this area when we were growing up. Now, when you do something wrong, you admit it. You confess it. That's part of being a part of the kingdom of God. Amen? The next thing, next C, I'm doing these by, by C's. The next one, confession. we have a correction, confession, and care. Your children have to know that you care about them, that you love them. Amen? Say care. If you do not show that you care about your kids, if they grow up thinking, my mom and my dad don't care about me, do you know ultimately that's why you have suicide committed? is because that that person do, does not believe anybody cares about them. So they just they, they commit suicide. 
Right? So we want to avoid that. Thank God I've never, that I remember. Do you remember, Christina, anybody commit suicide other than what we've heard in the schools, you know? But, uh, you know, I, I would hate anybody committing suicide because they didn't feel like anybody cared about them. Okay, so you're going you're to correct them and you're going to teach them to confess, but at the same time, you're going to show them how much you love them. You're going to care. You're going to show them that you care. You're going to let them know that you love them. You're going to tell them you love them. And then the next thing, the fourth C is caress. When you tell them that you care, you're going to caress them. The largest organ on the body is your skin. So you need to touch your kids. Okay? You need to hug them. You need to hold them. Dads, hold your daughters. Hold your sons. Hug them. Mothers, hug your daughters. Hug your sons. It is important because you're communicating. You understand, you know, if you take babies and you put them in cribs, you can give them food, you can give them milk, you can meet all of their physical needs as far as, as what they need to eat, what they need to drink. But do you know if they are not touched, if they don't feel touched, if they don't feel loved, do you know that they will die? Literally die. Okay? So, you, you know, you might not have been raised in a house where that was going on. Maybe your dad was too macho. He would never hug anybody in the family, okay? Wouldn't touch anybody. That's not a good thing. You know? So, that fourth thing is you need to caress them, touch them, hug them, love them, let them know. Praise the Lord. Amen? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I watched the Hall of Fame in, uh, Hall of Fame speeches by those that are going to be put in the Hall of Fame. I watched that some of those Saturday night. And I like to watch those because they talk about their life, their history. And it, it really is, it's not so much for me about the football, what they accomplished in football, but where, how they got where they got. And some of the hardships that they went through and difficulties that they went through and what they say about their parents and say about their mom, you know. And, uh, this big old guy, Ray Lewis, I don't know if you ever heard of Ray Lewis, but he's a linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens, one of the best linebackers in history, okay. And he talked about his kids, you know, lay there on the front row. And he said, I kiss my kids on the mouth. <laughs> and his boys are older, all right. They're older boys. You know, probably, I don't know, maybe 18, 19, 20 years old. And they're over there going, no, he don't kiss me on the mouth. You know, no, daddy, you're not going to kiss me on the mouth. You know, but his point was, that's the kind of father he was. He loved to hold his kids, loved to express to his children how much that he loved them. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not advocating that you have to kiss them on the lips, right? Amen. But a lot of times it's just the opposite. And I don't have a lot of time tonight, but do you know that's why a lot of times there's homosexuality in the sun, and and uh, homosexuality also applies to girls, not just to men. Homos the word homosexuality in men and homosexuality in girls oftentimes is because they didn't have a father and a mother that hugged them, that caressed them, that loved them. Okay. So don't be so macho if you're a man that you're not willing to reach up and give your daughter a big old hug or even your son. It's 
critical. It is critical to their well-being as an individual. All right. If a baby will die because it, just because this hasn't been touched, that tells you how important it is. Okay. Say praise Lord. How many of y'all are touchy feely people? If you're not, you need to start. And it's not too late. Okay. Hallelujah. Okay, so correction then, it's not just about spanking them with the rod, which is the Bible talks about. There's a lot more to it. Okay, correction, confession, right? Say correction, confession, care, and caress. You do that, you're going to have a well-rounded child. If you do all of that, you train them up the way they're supposed to go, that means you head them in, uh, hedge them in, you don't let them just do whatever they want to do. Right? You're not a permissive parent. Then you'll be alright. You'll do what you're supposed to do in the kingdom of God. Alright? Say amen. Praise the Lord. So it's, it's very challenging to be a parent these days. How many of y'all can do these things? Correction, confession, care, and caress. Every one of you. Amen. Okay, verse 16. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches, uh, he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to one. Okay, verse 16 again. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches, and he that grieveth the rich or giveth to the rich, excuse me, shall surely come to want. So obviously we've covered this before, but this deals with getting riches in an inappropriate way. There's some people that money, they'll get money at any price. You know, and we were listening to the news and talked about this congressman, and I believe it's New York, I believe it's New York, uh, did over a year's worth of investigation on him, and he was found out to be doing insider trading with his family. Now listen, brothers and sisters. He's a 13th wealthiest congressman in Washington. Alright? 13th wealthiest. Alright, to save, to save his family about $700,000, around seven dollars to $800,000, he destroyed his reputation. Because he got insider information about a company that was going to fail in a test on a drug. He got that information. He shared it with his family members who were involved in stocks with that particular company. And they sold and saved about $700,000. But that man, now, he, he claims to be innocent. But they, they pretty much got him, you know, he's pretty much done. But anyway, the point being, can you imagine that that man, for $700,000, in a short period of time, he's destroyed his name. Yeah, you might have saved $700,000, but you're a multi-millionaire. Why are you going to sacrifice all of that? You destroyed your name. See, so the Bible is talking about there are some people, like Bernie Madoff and these other kinds of people, money at any price, they will do anything for money. And the Bible teaches us this is not the kind of people that the king is close to. Be the kind of person that will do anything for money. 
It's not worth destroying your good name. Okay? And this man may end up in prison as a result of that. So, Lord God, help us to be ethical in our business dealings. You with me here today? Be ethical in your business dealings. Very, very important. We're living in a time right now where people are doing all kinds of crazy stuff under the table. They're, they're not ethically in ethics in their business. They don't do things right in their business. They handle money crazy. You don't want to be called into question. Amen. And if you are called into question, you want to have the proof that you were not involved with something like that. Money at, for any price. People will sell out. They'll sell their soul, man, for money. Okay? So the Bible's very clear here about uh, proper riches. Amen? Be ethical in your riches, man. You better, better walk away from a deal that doesn't look right and to go through with it and pay the price for it. You know, so, man... It's not worth it. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not worth it. Filthy lucre, man. It is not worth it. So either your God is going to be mammon or Jesus Christ. And I've told you before that mammon, the Bible calls it mammon, is a, is a word that's used for money. But mammon was a demonic spirit. And God says you cannot serve mammon and God at the same time. Okay? Money. So you've got to decide who your master is. Is it God or is it mammon? Brother and sister, are you with me? Okay, are you with me? People make decisions right now, make decisions, long-term decisions that will affect, will affect the rest of their lives based on the dollar. Okay? So be careful. And I'm preaching. I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost. This is the Word of God. It's written. But I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you. You're making a decision in your life that's only about money. You better back up. Not back up. You better run from it. Okay? Because God knows what's going on. can't serve God in mammon. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve mammon. That's what Jesus said. So you got to make up your mind right now, not when you get in a tight situation or a difficult situation, you know. Then you got to make the decision, right? Woo. Why is it that people think they'll never get caught? It's beyond me. But people think, you know, it's just the way we are, right? Human nature is, we're just never, we'll never get caught. Do nobody ever know it. God knows it. And He can uncover it. So don't be that kind of person. Well, I, I won't get caught. I can, I'm smarter than, you know, you get caught. It's not worth it. Verse 17. Uh, begin with verse 17 on the way down. We have some of God's closest friends, the king's closest friends. And those are the people that listen to the word of God. They listen to it. They apply it. Amen. In contrast to like somebody like Judas Iscariot, who had a thought, and then the thought produced direction, and then direction produced action. You with me? Because he didn't give himself to the commands of the Lord. So he let his thought, a betrayal, come in. That thought led to a direction, that direction led to an action. 
Now, the same thing, though, applies to the Word of God. As you meditate upon the Word, you think on the Word of God, have direction, and then it produces action. So let's look at it. These are the ones that are particularly close to the king. Bow down thine ear. Say, bow down thine ear. Simply means that when you and I are hearing the Word of God, the kind of attitude we should have. We should have a humble spirit, a humble attitude when the Word of God is going forth. Okay? Now, you understand sometimes the Word of God is going to hit your life. It's going to correct you. It's going to challenge you. It's going to uncover some things that are not right. And if you're not careful, man, you just start getting really strange. That's not the way to handle it. When the Word of God goes forth, and it's if it's like a mirror and it's showing you something that's wrong, right? If you go in the mirror and look in the mirror and your hair's all messed up, what are you going to do? You're supposed to do something about it. Look in the mirror, you know, your hair's all messed up. So you're going to comb your hair a little bit, right? Right? If you got a beard, full beard, man or woman, and you know, you walk up there to, the, to look in the mirror, you see that? You don't walk off and say, nothing's wrong with me. No, you, you, you do something about it, whether it's ripping up your skin off and leaving the hair and, you know, you know how y'all, some of y'all do. I don't, I won't call any names, but I know somebody that puts this tape on their skin, tries to pull the hair off and pulls the skin off, leaves the hair. You know, it's a dilemma, man. Right? But anyway, at least try to do something about it. You know, and it's so, praise God. Me too. Now I'm talking about Sister Christina. <laughs> I told Sister Christina, I said, man, just go to that place where they do that wax job. She just pay the money. I don't care. We got them a little money. You can go do that. You don't have to bruise your face, pull your skin off, leave the hair. You know, praise the Lord. But I mean, it's not that she has a full beard or anything. Do you know I'm kind of getting into a deeper problem here? The longer that I talk, I'm just really digging myself a deep hole. It's getting deeper and deeper. <laughs> this is some things you can't correct, man. Once you said it, you said it, and then you try to... Anyway, okay, so let's go on. But, but that's what you... But when it comes to the Word of God, it's a mirror. So when it when you see yourself, your hair's messed up, you need to shave, whatever, you need to brush your teeth, got food in between the gums and, and everything, you know, praise the Lord, hallelujah, then you do something about it. That's what a mirror's for. So the Word of God goes forth, brothers, it's a mirror, man, and we see ourselves sometimes and we don't like what we see. We, we don't get mad at the mirror, right? You, no, you don't get mad at the mirror. You don't get, do you get frustrated with the mirror? You don't get frustrated with the mirror. Or mad at the mirror. Right? That's, that's not gonna help you. Look at that mirror and get frustrated and mad at the mirror. No, you say, thank you mirror for showing me what I need to fix. Well, that's the way it is with the Word of God according to this verse, verse 17. I'm in the Bible. Okay. When the Word of God goes forth and it's a mirror and you're looking in the mirror, you don't get all upset and frustrated with it. You say, thank you, Jesus, for showing me where I need to correct my life. Say, praise the Lord. 
That's called humility. The Bible says in the book of James, Receive with meekness the implanted or the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. When the word of God goes forth, keep a meek spirit. Humble spirit. Receive the word of God. Amen. Don't go off all mad and frustrated and kicking cans and everything else. And no, man, that's not going to help you. Say, I needed that word. Okay. Humble the heart. Meekness. With meekness, receive that implanted word or that engrafted word. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We need the word of God. Whew. So he says, bow down that ear. That means you're going to humble yourself. To bow down means to bow down humble. You're going to humble yourself to hear the word of God. Heart. Hallelujah. And hear the words of the wise. Say, hear the words of the wise. The only way you're going to hear the words of the wise is if you humble yourself. If you think you know everything, you're not going to humble yourself. You won't receive. You're not going to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. All right? So you receive the words of the wise. What are the words of the wise? Prophets. The Bible. Prophets came to the nation. Preached to the nation. They were the words of the wise. Preaching to the nation. A lot of times the nation wouldn't receive the words of the wise. Wouldn't receive the words of the prophets. They killed them. They got frustrated with the prophets. They got mad at the prophets. They got mad at the word of God. They should have bowed their ear down. And receive that word from God with humility, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. The prophets, the Bible is the word of the wise. The word of the wise, the word of God. Jesus. Jesus quoted the Bible in his life. Go through the New Testament instead of the New Testament and see how much Jesus quoted the word of God. He was the walking word of God. Everything he did, brothers and sisters, he, he saw and heard from the Father. Every move he made in life, he did not make one move in life without seeing or hearing from the Father. Not one move. And that's how important the Word of God was to Jesus. Now, he's God come in the flesh. He's the Logos, the Word of God in flesh. But look at the Word of God in flesh, what he did. All the time, he was quoting the Word of God, the Scriptures, the words of the wise. Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, rhema, that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's more important than your bread, the Word of God. So I encourage you to get in the Bible. I encourage you to hear the words of the wise. Listen to the prophets. Read the words of the apostles. Read the words of Jesus Christ. Get in this book. This is the words of the wise. Sophia. Amen. You're really, you're really a true philosopher. There's a negative side of that word, philosophers, that are away from God's word. But you're a true philosopher because you love wisdom. Wisdom. The words of the wise. That's what I'm preaching to you not The words of the wise. You see that I know I know it may seem elementary to you tonight, but that's okay. We need to go back over these things. Because it's the word of God. Why why am I doing this tonight? Because it's the word of God. 
I need to hear them over and over again. I need to hear the words of the Lord. I need to humble my heart. Listen to the prophets. Listen to the apostles. Listen to Jesus Christ. Listen to the Bible. Amen. Now, sound not, might not be too deep, but that's what we need. You pray and you read the Bible, you're going to be fine in your walk with God. Ask you a question. Have you spent any time in the Word of God other than Sunday morning and Sunday night? Now, Wednesday, have you, been, have you even picked up your Bible the last, what, three or four days? Have you spent any time with the Word? Have you spent any time with the Lord? It's important for you and me if Jesus, the Word of the living Word of God, Logos, walked among men and quoted the Word of God constantly and lived everything He did was because he saw, he saw the Father or heard the Father. How much more do you and I need that? That's, that's why, brothers and sisters, we have so many difficulties in life because we're not listening to the words of the wise. Amen. And I say we, I need this word more than you do. I'm going to tell you why I need it more than you do because I'm trying to teach you. That's why I need it more than you. More than you teach you so we got to be humble in our spirit hear the words of the wise and then once you hear the words of the wise what do you do you apply them application you do what they say book of james also says this and the book of james in case you don't know it is the book of wisdom in the new testament the book of james says be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves you're going to hear the Word of God come to church. How much of the Word of God that you've heard maybe in the lifetime since you've been converted and going to church, how much of the Word of God have you heard and you put into practice? Application. Don't be hearers of the Word only, but be doers of the Word of God. But you've got to humble yourself, humble your heart, receive that. Hear it, hear it first. And then apply it, apply your heart unto knowledge. And verse 18 says, for it is pleasant, it is a pleasant thing. Say it's a pleasant thing. It's a good thing. How many of y'all like pleasant things? Okay, I like pleasant things. I spend time, not, not a lot of time, but I spend a little bit of time studying philosophy through the ages. Okay, now I, that doesn't make me smart. I'm just trying to learn. I'm just being honest with you. I, all I'm trying to do is I'm trying to learn, okay? Because I'm not smart. <laughs> I need to study. So what I do is I spend a lot of time. I've got a course, several, uh, very large course. I don't know how many tapes. Uh, I guess 10, 10 video cassette tapes on philosophy. And I spend time studying that. Well, philosophy is the, is the study of wisdom through the ages, okay? Some of it is incorporated from the Bible. Some of it's man-made stuff. But what I'm saying to you is this. One of the major goals in philosophy is to try to know how to live life, what con conduct to have. And so what they say, here's the goal. Here's the goal of earthly philosophy, and in some cases biblical philosophy. The goal is how to experience more pleasant things in life 
and less hard things. Now, how many of y'all want hard, a hard life? You, how many of y'all? Anybody here want a hard life? You want a hard life? You'll have a hard life. And there's people, they have a hard life. They live a hard life. Right? But how many, I'll say, how many of you want pleasant life? You want pleasant things to happen to you. Then that's the goal of philosophy. That's the goal of wisdom. To, one of the goals is to teach you how to have more pleasant experiences in life and less hardship in life. And so God says, if you will listen to the words of the wise, you'll bow your ear to those that are teaching, you will apply that to your life, then the scripture says, you'll have pleasant experiences in life. You don't have to live a hard life. You live a pleasant life. Hallelujah. So how many of you all want a pleasant life? Here's the key. It's the key, right? No, I want a hard life, so I'm not going to listen to what God says. I'm going to do it in my own way. Then you'll have a hard life. The way of the transgressor is hard. You understand that? Okay, so we'll look at it again. For it is a pleasant thing. Say a pleasant thing. I enjoy pleasant things. Man. I'll take pleasant over hard any day. For it's a pleasant thing if thou keep them within thee. Put them in your heart. Right? Put them inside of you. Keep them with you. They shall with all be fitted in thy lips. And so what's going to happen is when you bow your ear to the words of the wise, amen, you apply them to your life, you do them, you put them inside of your heart, what's going to eventually happen is that's what's going to come out in your speech. Your talk, the way you talk, really uncovers what's in the heart. If you're spending time in the Word of God and you're living the Word of God, you're going to be speaking the things of the Word of God. If you get away from this book, you get away from the Word of God, the Word of the wise, what's going to happen is you're going to be talking all kinds of talk. It's not going to line up with that book. You're going to come up with your own ideas. Amen? Verse 14 talked about the strange woman. The strange woman is not just the prostitute, moral prostitute, but the strange woman is the woman who leads people away from the Word of God. The strange woman is the person who compromises with the Word of God. Known truths that are in the Bible. Say, so we don't need that anymore. It's old-fashioned. It's out of date. You with me here? That's the strange woman. That's the harlot. Not just morally, but theologically. So we have to listen to the Word of God. Amen? It'll be, we'll experience pleasant things if we keep them. And it'll come out in our speech. Right? Now, I started this race, and you started this race. When you got baptized in Jesus' name, and you got the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, before you ever went down in that water and got baptized in Jesus' name, you should have made a decision at that moment that my life is going to be lived for Christ for the rest of my life. If you are not willing to make that kind of commitment to God, do not go down in that water. The commitment that we make 
to God is a lifetime commitment. So you get baptized in one of the name of Jesus and all of a sudden at 15, 20 years after living for the Lord, living holy, a life of holiness, and now you're going to leave all of that? No. You should have made that decision when you, before, before you got baptized that I'm going to live this way for the rest of my life. And I'm not going to change 15, 20 years down the road. I'm going to obey the word of God. I'm going to apply it to my life. I'm going to humble myself. Amen. I'm going to experience pleasant things. And I'm going to trust God. I'm going to live, God, live for God by faith. But I'm going to tell you tonight, brothers and sisters, I'm going to start talking to some people. And I'm going to tell them, before I baptize you in water in the name of Jesus, you better know what you're doing. This is a lifetime commitment, not a 15 or 20 year commitment. Amen. You're going to live for God? You're going to live by the Word of God? Then I'll baptize you in Jesus' name. You know, Brother Jonathan Lemons talks about flipping script, you know. <laughs> That's his way of putting it. To live for the Lord a certain way. But flip the script, man. Just totally do something totally different, right? Where'd you get that? See, there's something you need to understand about the Word of God and the things of God. It is against the law for you to take upon yourself a decision that goes contrary to this book. It's against the law of God. You can't say, well, I'm going to do this or not do this if the Word of God has addressed it. Because if you go, if you, who gave you the authority to make a decision that goes contrary to this book? That's lawlessness. So if the Bible, and I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters, the Bible addresses just about everything. It addresses your dress, your appearance physically, addresses your hair, addresses every, a lot of things, man, moral life. It does. It addresses it. So all of a sudden, now you're going to do something different? That is against the law. Now, if God changes it, if God changes it, say if it's something in the Old Testament, then God changes it in the New Testament. It's a fulfilled. That's different. It's not against the law, right? You're not breaking the law of God. But if God never changed it, if you don't do it, you're a lawbreaker. Amen. For example, you had to bring, when you brought your tithe, you had to bring it to the temple. It was a, you couldn't bring your tithe anywhere other than that place, that designated place by God in the Old Testament, the temple. But guess what? The temple's been destroyed. So now the Bible talks about when you come to the house of God upon the first day of the week, then you bring your tithe your offering, and lay it in store there. What am I saying? In the Old Testament, designated place. The only one that could change that was God. And He did. So when He changed it, now you can do it. But if God doesn't change it in His Word, amen, you can't change it. Because you're breaking His law. So we need to trust Him. We need to live for Him. We need, as the Bible says here in verse 19, they that that thy trust may be in the Lord. That your trust would be in Him, that you would follow God. And in following God, you're obeying that Word. You're applying that Word of God to your heart. Amen? So that God can look at you and say as a king, "You, I want to be your friend. 
You're my friend because you keep my commands. Amen. That thy trust may be in the Lord, I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, okay, I don't want to get too long with it because I don't want you to forget what I'm saying tonight from the Word, but do you understand that everything, everything hinges on who you believe? Everything hinges upon who, everything in life hinges upon who you believe. You either believe God, you believe the Word of God, or you're believing somebody else or something else. And your whole life is going to be lived based on who you believe. It hinges on that. Right? So I listened to an apostate preacher, not the words of the wise. Amen? My life's going to hinge on that. Because I'm starting to believe that. So I believe the Word of God and my whole life hinges on that. You understand what I'm saying? So tonight, who do you believe? Do you believe the Word of God? That's why I do not, when I stand up in this pulpit, I do not give you my opinions. I preach the Word of God to you verse by verse by verse. Because I don't want you to believe in a man. I want you to believe what God says. Because I promise you, the harlot will come with, with false teaching to turn your hearts away from the commandments of God. She will come. Her spirit will come. And you're not careful. You listen to that spirit. And then there'll be somebody that's control, controlled by her. And there'll be a preacher. And they'll be speaking things contrary to the Word of God. They don't have the authority to do that. Brothers and sisters, I don't have the authority to change the message. I don't have the authority to change the message of the oneness of God. Baptism in Jesus' name. Infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Who gave you the authority to change that? If you do. I don't have the authority to change the doctrines of holiness. I don't have the authority to change the message of the oneness of God. So we have to, as the Bible says, that thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. The highest level of wisdom is teaching you to know God. Not just how to be happy in life, but how to live for the Lord and serve God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If it's in the Bible, that's what we follow. Okay? So that's your interpretation of the Bible. Oh, bring me yours. Bring me yours. Show me where it changed. Show me where God changed the message. But if He hadn't changed it, I have a responsibility before God to declare this word to you in every facet. And I'm not going to change it because I don't have the authority to. Only God can do that. Right? So who you believe 
Everything in life hinges on it. You're going to believe God or you're going to believe somebody else. So, I don't encourage you to take the courses on philosophy because you talk about crazy. I mean, it gets really crazy. But you're going to believe either Jesus Christ or you're going to believe Plato. You're going to believe Jesus Christ, you're going to believe Aristotle. You're going to believe Jesus Christ, you're going to believe his stoic philosophies. And, and he said Paul quoted, Paul quoted some of the philosophies of those people, like the Stoics and the Epicureans. Paul knew philosophy. He knew them. And at times he applied them. So I can do that. But I'm telling you today, brothers and sisters, who you listening to? Who you bowing your ear to? Who you giving your heart to? Who you giving your mind to? Who you giving your thoughts to? I'm going to put mine in the Word of God. And I, and I believe tonight, as I'm preaching to you, obviously, you've got to be putting your heart in the Word of God or you wouldn't be here. Okay? But you need to keep on the straight and narrow path. Jesus said, Broad is the way that leads to destruction. You know who He was talking about? Plato. Plato. The broad-shouldered one that He was known as in the philosopher's community. Plato taught more than one God. So you get around people, alright? And then they talk, they talk these philosophies and things, and you think, man, that sounds pretty good. They said, not in the Word of God. It'll lead you right into the destruction. Say, so, man, I'm safe and secure in the Word of God. Tonight, when I stand up here and preach the Word of God to you, I am safe and secure. But I'm telling you tonight, if you want your head to be messed up, if you want to lose your mind, then you start going away from that book. You with me? And the Bible talks about in the New Testament, they make shipwreck of the faith. You want a shipwreck of your life? Then stop using this word as a compass. Start using your own brains or philosophical thinking. And when you hear people talk, I oftentimes know exactly where they got it. Because I've spent time with it. I say, that's not from God's Word. That's coming from some other source. Okay? So look at your neighbor and help me preach. Who you believe, everything in life, tell them, everything in life hinges on who you believe. That's why this is so serious. You listening to the right words? Everybody here, you listen to the right words? You listen to the right words? Listen to the right people? Because there's some kinds of people the king don't want to be around. He don't want to be around people that don't bow their ears in humility for the Word of God and apply the Word of God and listen to the words of the wise. He don't want to be around people like that. He want to be a part of the court of the king. And you have to be following this book. This is the highest level of wisdom. It's to fear God. Amen? Verse 20, Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge? Yeah, excellent things. 
counsels and knowledge, man. Three things in philosophy, man. We're getting it, the truth about it right here in this book. Three things that they focus on is the problem of knowledge, number one. Number two, conduct of life. And number three, what type of government? That's the three main focuses in philosophy. And we're getting it right here. Who the king wants to be around. What kind of conduct? How to live? Say praise the Lord. And knowledge. You're getting knowledge. You're not Gnostics. I'm not a Gnostic. Gnosticism, you know. Uh, they, they thought they were the elite ones, that they had some kind of hidden secret knowledge. You're not the Gnostics. You don't have some kind of elite hidden secret knowledge. But you have the knowledge of the Word of the living God. It's revealed. God has revealed Himself to you and to me. And not only revealed Himself to you and to me, but He's revealed what this world is about. And He's also revealed to you what kind of people are in the world. Now, He's the one. He, he's the Creator. I'm going to follow Him, believe Him. Say praise the Lord. Jesus won. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Plato. If you want to read a book, I think it's still in that library. It's called The Light of Pentecost. Light of Pentecost. It talks about the roots of Trinitarian doctrine. It came from Plato. And that, that, that doctrine will lead you to destruction. The doctrine of Plato. He said, beware of me when they come to you in sheep's clothing. Outwardly they're wearing sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. That was the garments of the philosophers. That's what they wore was the garments of, of the wool. He said, but on the inside of them, they're, they're ravening wolves. All they want to do is destroy the sheep. With words, brother. But we've got the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God. Not, not some kind of man-made philosophy. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus warned about following down that road of the philosophers. And they're everywhere, brothers and sisters. Today, this book. If you have a question about something, about who Jesus is, about the doctrine of salvation, if you, okay, with me here, Christology. Jesus is God. Question about that. You got a question about Soteriology, salvation. Salvation, that doctrine. You have a question about sanctification, holiness. It's in this book, brothers and sisters. It tells you what God wants to be around. Hallelujah. Now you and I go off down there another road or another trail. It's going to lead to destruction. But the road that we're on is straight and it's a narrow path. It's straight and narrow. And only a few people are on it, brothers and sisters. Not the majority, but only a few people are on it. That's why you've got to make up your mind before you get baptized in Jesus' name. This is the road I'm traveling. I'm living it for the rest of my life. 
Amen? And I don't have the authority to change it. And you don't either. And nobody else does either. And anybody that's tried it have found that the stone falls upon them and will grind them to powder. The Bible says it's better for you and I to fall upon the stone in humility and repentance. Or God said He's going to come and the stone, Jesus, would fall upon you and grind you to powder. Amen. You don't... You and I can't go contrary to this book. Can't live contrary to this book. It all hinges on who you believe. And I believe I'm preaching to people that want to live for the Lord. But I'm just telling you by way of admonition, once you make up your mind, you don't get off this path. Amen? If you do, you need to have Scripture for it. Okay? If you've got Scripture for it, it's okay. So this is to teach us to follow. Verse 20, Have not I written to the excellent things and counsels and knowledge? Yes, He has. Excellent things and counsels and knowledge, man. What we see, this is better than gold and silver. Better than money. I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God. So we call the name this church Bible-Centered Fellowship. This church was not going to be built on personality. It was not going to be built upon denominationalism. It was going to be built upon the Word of God. It wasn't going to be built on programs. It was going to be built on the Word of God. Amen? Brother Dice used to tell me, you build it on programs, somebody's always going to have a, a better program. Come along and the people will take off. You build it on the Word of God and they'll stay with you. I'll do what I have and they still left. <laughs> When I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to him and say, Brother Dice, what you, you told me, you know? <laughs> no, man, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to build this thing on the Word. The foundation on the Word of God, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. That's all I have to give you. If you want the Word of God, that's all I have to give you. That's all I have to give you. So, I believe what it says. He's written this excellent things and counsels and knowledge. You know, uh, how many of y'all want to be a leader? Everybody should want to be a leader. No? Why? Because you see me? You know, I don't want to be like him. <laughs> Everybody should want to be a leader. You know who are leaders? Readers. Readers are leaders. If you want to be a leader, you need to read. Okay? Read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. You'll be a leader. Amen? Okay, verse 21. That I may make thee to know the certainty of the words of truth that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. Amen. So once you have the truth, then you can speak the truth to other people. You can show them the right path instead of the path of philosophy of Plato. Amen. Brother, you talked to me just the other day about, you know, he's a professor at the college and 
walks in there and the philosophy that's there, the, the ideologies, the, the mindsets of people that are there, supposed to be higher learning. But it's college, man. Higher learning. Do you find that st stuff there? He struggles with that. Because he knows the truth. He knows the Word of God. He's, he try to present philosophies to him, you know, certain approaches. And this so-called higher level of learning. Wow. You know? But God keeps blessing him. And he just keeps getting promoted, you know. From, from professor now to uh, chair. And Right, brother? And what was the other one they were talking to you about? Yeah, he just got so many he can't even remember. I mean, they're just they're, they're coming from every direction, man. You know, so professor, then chair, and now another one he don't even remember. He just got so many. You know, but that's because God has blessed him because he lives by the word of God. Now you imagine going into higher, so-called higher level of learning in those colleges. And what you got to deal with? I mean, to stay where you should stay in God? Man, that, that's, that's quite a thing to see that brothers doing that, you know. Going that every day, dealing with that mindset. So a lot of those mindsets are really the enemy planting them to turn people away from God. You know, evolutionary thought process, you know materialistic approach to the universe. Just leave God out. No, no, no. Yeah. No, we need God. That's why the schools are in such a mess right now because they took prayer out of schools. You know what I'm saying, brothers and sisters? You, and I don't want to keep you too long. What time is this? 20 till 9. But I'll just tell you this. So you take, you look at the school system before when prayer was in school. And uh, there was a tape series that we watched a long time ago. I wish I remember the name of it. I don't remember the name of it. But they looked at the school before they took prayer out and after they took prayer out. And they compared the two. They took prayer. took basically God out. And there was an increase in teen pregnancy. And on and on and on it goes. Okay? They took prayer out of school. Amen? So, so-called higher learning, right? No, it's certain. Verse 21, that I might make thee know the certainty. Say the certainty. It's a certain word of truth. That thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. You're going to speak that truth to people. You're going to tell them truth. Verse 22, rob not the poor. Because he is poor, neither oppress the afflicted in the gate. Amen. See, God's not going to fellowship with people like that. Rob the poor and oppress, oppress people. And that goes back to verse 16. We already talked about that. Amen. Verse 23, For the Lord will plead their cause and spoil the soul of those that spoiled them. See, God, God is the one who protects you. God protects me. He's watching over you. He's watching over your family. 
Brother, sisters, you see, this is all connected to what he's saying about the Word of God. You want God to protect your family? You, you want God to be watching over your home? And the oppressor, the enemy comes and tries to steal from you, the enemy, the devil, ultimately in the high, highest level of wisdom. He comes to you to rob and steal and destroy your home, your children. Well, God's promise, you walk by the Word of God, He will watch over you. He'll protect you from the oppressor, the thief that comes to try to destroy your life. I need God's protection. I, man, there, there's no telling how many plans, plans by people and plans by the enemy. Amen? That if it wasn't for God protecting you and watching over you and watching over your kids. Defeating the oppressor, defeating the thief, man. You know? God's an, an awesome, He's an awesome God. Sends angels to watch over your kids. Watch over you. Watch over you. We're sleeping at night. Yeah, because you're His friend. The king is promising you protection. And I need his protection. You need his protection. My kids need protection. This church needs protection. I don't ever think you don't need protection, man. You need security. And he's promising you security and there's a certainty to that word. Verse 24, God talks about some people you don't make friends with. Now, so this is somebody who the king or people would not want to be around. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not. The Bible's very clear. He doesn't just tell you who to hang around with. He tells you there's some people you don't hang around with. So you don't want to hang around somebody, as the Scripture says here, as an angry man, furious man. You know, brothers and sisters, there's some people, they're mad at everything. Everything. They're mad at everything. Let me just put it to you this way. They're mad at the world. Okay? You don't hang around people like that. They got the, uh, this, this, they're furious, angry. Come on, brothers and sisters. Now, you know, we talk about the ladies in the area of holiness, right? Dress and things like that. Well, let me talk to the men. Because the New Testament addresses it. This is the problem that we have as men. We got an anger problem. Amen. We need some anger management. <laughs> we have a tendency to lose our temper too quickly and to become angry too quickly. Praise the Lord. So, none of you ladies ever get angry, do you? Y'all never? No? Okay, see, look at all the sweet sisters going. Oh, sweet sister, you know. <laughs> Lord, help everybody if the woman gets mad. You know. There's no fury like the fury of a woman. That's what I've heard. Amen. I said that's what I've heard. <laughs> Amen. Smart man. Not going to dig another hole. You know what I'm saying? So we need to pray. We need to ask God to get rid of something. I don't know. 
angry, just angry at everything. You can get that way, you know what I'm saying? Just angry at everything. Then you get angry, then you start cussing. You get a cussing spirit on you. you know, saying words you never wouldn't say, you know. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Ultimately, I want to tell you what it is. We're not praying like we should. It'd be we'd be amazed if we pray like we're supposed to, that we won't lose our temper all the time. Amen. Things won't come out of our mouth. I, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, there's... So why is God saying this to not hang around people like that? Don't make friends with people like that. Because the old saying is, you are like the company you keep. Now, you can talk all day long about how they won't affect me, they don't change me, but the Bible is very clear. You don't hang around people like that. Because you will become like those people. You become like the company you keep. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why I hang around nice, sweet people. That's why, see, I'm so nice and sweet. That, cause that, what are you laughing about, Christina? Sister Christina? She's going, like she's shocked at what I just said. You weren't laughing. You were just shocked. She was shocked. Shocked that I'm sweet and kind. Can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. No, I know. It can get a hold of us. And we just need to we just need to go in that prayer room. We need to pray through. Get a hold of God again. Let God get a hold of us. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Get our spirits right. Get our mind right. So you don't know what's happened to me. Well, you don't know what's happened to me. So stop using that excuse. You know, because we can all come up with excuses why we're so angry and bitter and, you know what I'm saying? It didn't go our way or something didn't. Yeah, really? Jesus, look what Jesus went through. He didn't rail. He didn't, he railed not, the Bible says. He railed not. That's hard, man. It's hard not to open that mouth and, you know, let her fly. Somebody said, I sing by letter. I'll just open my mouth and let her fly. But some people just, they, they speak by letter too. They just open their mouth and let it fly. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, it's the truth. We're supposed, our speech according to verse 18 should be the Word of God. Not all this railing and stuff. But, Influences people will influence your life. So remember, there are certain people the Bible says don't hang around. Verse twenty-five tells us why: lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy what soul. Yeah. Be not thou one of them that strike hands, or of them that are sureties for debts. It's another person, another kind of person, King doesn't like to be around. Is is people that always stand good for other people's problems. And let me, you know, the, the strict sense the Bible talking about here is uh, don't enter into co-signing notes and things like that. Standing good for other people's debts. Amen? 
Now, you might get away with that a little bit. But if you make that a pattern of life where you're, you're standing good for somebody else's debts, he goes on, he said, you're going to lose your bed. Now, that's really reaching. He's telling you how bad it can get because your bed is something that's necessary for you. And then they come and they take your bed. You don't have nothing to sleep on. So you want to be the kind of person that so it was you laughing about. Did that happen to you? Hmm. Got to have a bed. That's what you're saying. I'm interpreting. She says, I have to have a bed. Right? <laughs> but that, that's all that's going to happen, man. You stand good for everybody's, you know, dead cosign. And you're going to ultimately pay a price. You're going to pay a price. Jesus, here, Lord God, I wish I'd have had this verse five years ago. You know what I mean? I said, Lord, I, I just looked at him and I said, I can't because the Word of God says I can't stay, stand, you know, good for you, for everything for you. Man, I saved myself some a lot of money. And no, you you're on your own two feet. Yeah, you 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 do your own thing. You take care of your own business, right? Yeah, hallelujah. Said always trying to bell help bell all the time. You know. Yeah. Well, you help them out. Good. They have a bed to sleep in. Then you look up. You don't have no bed to sleep in. They came and got yours. And it might be in the people's house that you helped. But you don't have a bed. They got one. You don't have a house. And they, yeah, anyway. But you helped them. So you've got to be very wise about who you stand good for. You believe that tonight? So you believe that tonight? Praise the Lord. Verse 27, If thou hast nothing to pay... Why should he take away thy bed from under thee? Amen. You lose your bed. Verse 28, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Remove not the ancient landmark. Now in those days, you know, it wasn't just boundaries. I mean, there was actually landmarks that were set in place. Each tribe had a particular allotment that was given to them from God. Okay? It was given to them from God. And there were landmarks that marked that, that allotment that God gave to those tribes. And God held them responsible, responsible for that allotment, you know. That's why Naboth couldn't give up his vineyard. Because that was an inheritance from God. And for him to give it up, his, he'd be removing an ancient landmark. Couldn't do it. Amen. So, but I'm going to take this verse and I'm just going to bring it to you in the level of the spiritual. Don't remove the ancient landmarks that the fathers, say the fathers, which thy fathers have set. That's the key. There are fathers in your life that have set boundaries, that have set landmarks. Don't remove them. They're there for a reason. Okay? And I've already touched on this just a little bit. But the landmark of the oneness of God, don't you ever move that. The landmark of the Apostles' Doctrine, never move that. 
the landmark of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Don't ever move that landmark. Repentance, water, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Never remove that landmark. The landmark of holiness that's been preached to you by fathers. And fathers, speak of the past. Things that you have heard that come from the past. Do not remove the things that you've learned from the past. They are landmarks. Amen. Spiritually speaking. Okay, so I'm... You know, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because I don't think y'all are ever going to do that. But I still got to say it. Because there's some people that think, there are fathers, brothers and sisters. I've got spiritual fathers that put some things in me. And I'm not, I'm not moving them. I'm not taking them up, brothers and sisters. I've been, been in this experience for almost 40 years now. They put the oneness of God in me and apostolic doctrine in me. They put holiness in me, brothers and sisters. And when they put it in me, I believed it. And it wasn't based on an organization that I was a part of as far as I was concerned. It was based on what a father, what a daddy put in my life. And I have some, some principles and some ethics about me that my spiritual father put in me. That to this day I will not cross that line. Even if they change. And I'm not saying they have. I will not cross that line. Because I had a father. That put a landmark in my life. And for me I put value on these things. And I know that you do too brother. Don't move them. Don't pull them up. Jeremiah said, give me the old paths. Show me the old paths wherein I might walk. You can call it outdated. But I want to tell you something. My God, you can't put, put my God in modernism, in, a, in the box of modernism. His word is still relevant today. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the only thing that I can do is change method. Okay? I can change method. But I can't change the message. And you can't change the message. It's been passed down. There are men of God who pay price, a price for the message that we have. And they put that in me. And nobody's going to get it out of me. Nobody. And if you got to pay a price, that's fine. If i got to pay a price, that's fine. But I'm leaving that landmark. And I raise my kids with that landmark. I raise my kids with that truth. And I'm not changing it. Probably the one, the one thing, the one thing, and only one thing I can think of that I have changed, and it really wasn't a landmark. But I was taught pre-tribulation rapture, and 
my spiritual fathers, ones in, with the Lord. Today, they were pre-trib. The only thing that can change it is the Word of God. So I'm post-trib now. I don't believe in pre-trib rapture. Amen? But it's the Word of God that changes it. But if you don't have a Word to change it, you don't change it. It's a, land, it's a landmark. It comes from a Father. Amen? Amen. The Rechabites in the Old Testament, you read about them in the book of Jeremiah as I'm coming to a close. These Rechabites, their father said, we don't drink wine. Now as far as I know, the Rechabites, the descendants of Rechab, were not Nazarites, as far as I know. But because their father said to their house, we don't drink wine. The sons honored that landmark of that father and said, we don't drink wine. Oh, come on. Everybody else is doing it. it the Bible doesn't forbid it, they would say. No, they say, my daddy, my father, placed that as a landmark. And they said they would not, they would not drink wine. You know what happened when the Babylonians came in and wiped out Jerusalem? The Rechabites were spared because God saw that they left the landmark of their daddy in place. Which was, I'm telling you, was something that was you might call extreme. But that father had a conviction and that family followed those convictions and God said, because of that, I will spare you. See, God honors, even if you sometimes don't understand, God will honor you if you leave the past. If you leave the standards of the Father in your life. Man. I spare you. Because this is the type of people that the king liked to hang around. You with me? I'm not a perfect man, but I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. There's some things that have been put in us that'll never be moved. People may come, people may go, but that landmark's going to stay. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be in Bible Center Fellowship. It'll be here. Amen. As long as I'm here, as long as I'm here, that landmark's going to be here. If you want to try to you know, trying to move it a little bit. <laughs> well, we want to move it over here a little bit, you know. Move it over here. We want to make it stricter. See, some people want to make it stricter. So, let's pull this one up. We'll make it stricter. Well, no, we don't want to do that either. Okay, because that gets into legalism. Well, I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to move it over here just a little bit, you know, and start accepting some things. No! Where's my father? These things are valuable. Dixon was, I was talking to Brother Dixon last night, you know, and uh, we were talking about, uh, talking about Dr. Mark Hamby. And uh, I haven't talked to Mark Hamby in a long time. 
anyway, I'm not going to go into the conversation that we had, but, you know, he said, Mark Hamby, I went to his ranch one time, Brother Dixon, that's where I met Brother Dixon, was at Mark Hamby's ranch. And so I went to the ranch, and Mark, there would be people of all kinds of backgrounds that go to Mark Hamby's ranch. And some of them were not practicing holiness anymore. Okay? And Mark Hamby, which is, you know, has the roots that we have, went to Brother Dixon and said, your wife is an awesome woman of God. Brother Dixon said, why do you say that, Brother Mark? He said, because I asked her about her holiness. She, he said, I noticed that when she comes, even though some of these other people, they don't practice this anymore. He said, I know even she comes around these other people, but yet she won't do what they're doing. And so, Mark, what, 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 what's, what's going on? He said, well, I asked her about that. And she didn't say, well, it's my standard or it's the pastor's standard or it's the organization that I'm a part of standard. She said, it's my convictions. And when she said that, she said, it's my convictions. Dr. Mark Hamby said, that is a powerful woman of God. You will not die for the opinions of another man. But you will die for what you have a conviction about. Because they are a standard that have been put in your life. And nobody can get it out of you. And somebody in the past, a father, as the scripture says, put that landmark in you and you won't cross it. Amen. Now that's the kind of person that the king likes to be around. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So Dr. Mark Hamby, because of her convictions, when she would prophesy, he held her prophetic word weighty. So tonight, by the Word of God, if you're a wise person, you will not remove the ancient landmarks that have been set there by your fathers. Amen. And I thank God, I thank God, because what I have, I don't preach to you religion, I don't preach to you denomination. When I preach to you holiness and these things, I preach to you out of a heart of conviction. We don't just believe it, we live it. Amen. Brother Dice stood up one, one night and he preached. He was a master preacher. And he stood up and he preached and the power of God fell and the Spirit of God moved. And afterwards, this old man of God told him, he said, the reason why God moved like He did tonight is because you have convictions. Because of your conviction. 
Brother Mark, there was a time when Brother Mark came and Brother Dixon told me he walked so close to God. He walked into a church and Brother Dixon said when they walked in, he said, him and Carrie started talking. By the way, they're coming in October. And, and so, at least, I don't know the date, but that's just what we're talking about. But Brother Dixon, Sister Carrie walked into the church and says, there's a spirit of, of adultery in the leadership. That's what Brother Dixon said the Lord told him. And so he just sat in there in the congregation. And uh, Mark Hamby gets up on the platform and he's preaching. All of a sudden he goes, he said, there's sexual immorality on this platform. He said, get rid of all of it. In the leadership. He said, get rid of all of it. Now that's the kind of walk that some of these men had. They knew exactly. They could discern. They could read your mail. They knew exactly where you were in the Spirit. And they knew where the church was in the Spirit. Now if you want the power of God to move in your life, if you want powerful anointings in your life, you have to be a person that has landmarks, standards, and I call them standards, convictions that have been placed in you by a father and nothing will move that. Because if you start compromising with it, I promise you, you start compromising with it, you're going to lose your power and your anointing. And they can write Ichabod over you and your life. What makes you strong in God and powerful in God and anointed is you are a person of conviction and you're willing to die for what you believe. That's why Naboth was willing to die before he would give up that standard, that landmark. Because it was God's allotment for him. It, was, it might not have been an allotment for somebody else, but it was God's allotment for him. He said, I'm not moving that. Say praise the Lord. But it says, I want to tell you something. Listen to your pastor. You as a family, you continue to walk this, this path. Oneness of God, just saying baptism, and filling the Holy Ghost, and a wholeness of life. You, you continue to live this way. Amen. And you're going to have trial, you're going to have tests, but I promise you, you will be victorious. But I will promise you, if you move the landmark, I promise you, I promise you, you'll have major issues in your life. So you have to make a choice. And I've made mine a long time ago when I got baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. But my pastor would get up and he'd preach against things and I got rid of them just because he preached against them. Amen. My pastor got up and preached against television. We moved him out. For 10 years I didn't have a television in my house because my pastor told me. Amen. He put that. Are you with me? I have one now, but I'm just telling you that there are things that, that the fathers preached that I obeyed because they set the landmark. Amen? I just don't like this old-fashioned religion, said somebody. Give me that old-time religion, man. 
Is it works for me. It works for me. Y'all can, you know, play around with it if you want to, but not me. Uh-uh. And it's too long. My wife, my wife, as you can see, she doesn't dye her hair. She doesn't paint her face. She doesn't do any of that. She doesn't paint her nails, doesn't paint her toenails, fingernails, whatever nails she's got, she don't paint. <laughs> okay? You can see that. You know why? Conviction. It's a landmark. It was put in her 13 years of age, you know. He first got in the church, he's wearing pants, and then God scared, scared the pants off of her. Right? Gave her, didn't you give you a dream that you were in rebellion? That you were in rebellion? Gave you a dream, right? That you were in rebellion. She got rid of the pants. See? She didn't, uh, hallelujah. <laughs> You're never going to see her in pants. Why? Because she has convictions. Praise the Lord. And she's, a, she's, a, she's basically, she's really a young woman, you know. But she hadn't changed her hair color. I love it. I love the color of her hair. You know what I'm saying? But, but you know, I would address the men. I'll tell you something. You got an issue. You have an issue. If when your wife is trying to live holy, okay, set apart from the world, amen, not doing all of that stuff, you got an issue, son, if you're putting pressure on her to do that stuff in the world. You need to get right with God. Because, you know, when a woman's heart's right with God, when a woman's praying, and a woman's heart's right with God, she don't have no problem with holiness. And when a man's heart is right with God, he doesn't have any problem with holiness either. In fact, he loves it. So if you got a problem with holiness, son, I'm going to call you son. You need to repent. Amen. Amen. That's pretty confrontational, isn't it? Yeah. No, I don't have no room for people like that. If you're a man, you should be helping and encouraging your wife because it's not easy for her to live separate and apart from this crazy world. Are you here with me? And they go out, go outside in public and they look her up and down like this and you, you know. Yeah. No, you as a man of God need to be a man of God and you need to encourage that woman of God. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So now backslidden men. Don't, don't, don't move them. Don't move those landmarks. Amen. Praise the Lord. Convictions. Convictions. How do you say, well, Pastor, I just don't have a conviction on certain things. Well, guess what? You get to have mine until you get your own. <laughs> so it's the kingdom of God, man, you know? That's the way it is. Yeah. You get mine until you get your own. <laughs> That's what you got to do with your little kids. Well, I don't think that's wrong. You have my conviction until you get your own. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you want a powerful move of God? Mighty moves of God.
Individually, not just in a church, but individually. You want the old past, man. God gives you dreams and visions. Talk to you quickly, just like that. About something else going on in your, in your kid's life. Boom. You know exactly what's going on. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Sister Sabrina was sharing with me the other day, you know, sharing Christina. She said that there was something going on in one of her son's uh, hearing. And right, am I talking about right hearing, right? Or was it something in the ear or the head? God showed her some something in the back of the head, right? Mark on the brain or something, right? God showed it to her. And then they went and got an exam, and it was there. See, when you pray, you walk with God. God will speak to you. He'll tell you about what's going on. Hallelujah. Supernatural walk with God Almighty. Man, no, no room for carnality. Okay. Just landmarks. I thank God for him, man. And I thank God for you too. I do. You can continue to live. I'm not moving. If you, you know. I'm not moving on that landmark. And uh, if you feel you need to move, you're going to have to move without me. I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you. Okay? And I'm not saying you want me to. But that's just where I am. Because we have convictions. Say praise the Lord. You know, we're not asking you to to sew your own clothes and wear a little white hat on the top of your head and you know what I mean? We're not asking you to do that. <laughs> and tell you can only wear black and wear a little white hat on top of your head or you know what I'm saying? Come on man. Y'all y'all look relatively modern to me. Say praise the Lord. It's too hard, really? Is this all too hard? No. You still get to have a telephone in your house? Get to drive a car? You know, we're not making you ride a horse and a buggy with little lights flashing in the back. and Right? Oh, come on, man. But more power to them. They're happy and content and Feel good about that? More power to them. Hallelujah. They're probably better off than we are. They probably eat better. Probably healthier. Praise the Lord. Debt free probably. And we're not. You know what I'm saying? So more power to them. I'm not putting them down. But I'm just telling you, when you start saying, man, we really strict here. We're not really strict. Amen. It's kind of funny though. You'll see every once in a while. You know, it gets a little bit crazy. You know, you'll see every once in a while some here in this area, I'm not going to call them by name, but you'll see certain these ladies, they wear certain little hats and certain dress and, you know, and they're over there buying beer for their husband. And he's standing right there, you know, and they're anyway. So I think that they sort of, they, they let you drink beer as long as you, you dress with the white hat in the, in the you know, funny dress. You know, that's. But we, we don't want the beer either. Hallelujah. Just so you know. But anyway, God help me. I get mouthy. I just get mouthy, man. I get mouthy. That's why I just get old. 
You start getting mouthy, you just ramble on and on and on and on. You talk about the past, you don't have any goals in the future. Everything you've ever done is behind you. Amen. That's it. But anyway, how many of y'all gonna leave those landmarks in place? Those are those are important landmarks. Landmarks. Praise God. Hallelujah. We still let you wear underarm deodorant. <laughs> there's a there's a Baptist preacher used to be on the radio. I listen to him all the time. I can't remember his name. I don't think he's alive anymore. Uh, he's a, he's a Baptist preacher. He's a chaplain, and he he didn't believe in underarm deodorant. Well, I thought, well, man, at least we get to wear underarm deodorant. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. So, I mean, really. So, I'm, I'm, we try to stay in the Bible. We try not to pull the landmark in and make it unbiblical, and nor push it out either. Stay in the Bible. Okay, so if there's anything that I preach here in this pulpit that's not in the Bible, then you come show it to me. And after we talk about it, then I'll say, okay, praise the Lord. We'll change what we need to change. But I've been in this for a while, and I've had yet one, yet haven't had one person been able to come and tell, show me. Not one person. They they've helped, tried to show me, and that's fine, and I appreciate it. They sent me things, you know. But when I went to the Word of God, I found out what we believe is the truth. Okay, so. I know you're tired, Lord. It's 9.20, so i got to get you out of here. How many are going to keep your landmarks in place? Y'all pray for Brother Dixon, Sister Dixon. And hopefully their family can come in, in October, and uh, we're looking forward to, to having them. Uh, they still have convictions. They still walk in holiness. It's admired. Amen. So... Keep them in your prayers. Hallelujah. Amen. Pray for pray for Dr. Mark Hamby. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's. I know he's almost eighty years old. Okay. And I don't know what's going on in his life right now, but. Pray for him. Um, I asked Brother Dixon, I said, Brother Dixon, I said, I don't feel led to, but I said, would you call and find out how he's doing? You check on him and let me know. So after we got through talking, I said, Brother Dixon, will you pray for me? And, uh, and it got silent. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and then he said, "Oh, I th-. he said you there." I said, "I'm here. I'm waiting for you to pray." He said, "I thought I lost you." I said, "No, I'm just waiting here for you to pray." And he said, "Oh, I thought you wanted me to get Mark Hamby to pray for you." I said, "Well, that'd be great too." I said, "Man, I get you to pray for me and Mark Hamby. I'm on top of the world, then, man." Pray for him. You know, T.F. Tenney's gone on to be with the Lord. T.F. Tenney's with the Lord now. Passed away a couple of months ago. Giant. Giant in the kingdom. Giant in Pentecost. 
apostolic faith. When he passed away, the uh, authorities, Louisiana, I believe it was Louisiana, flew the flag half staff. He said, there's no preacher that's ever done for Louisiana what he did. He passed away. They had his funeral at the campground. 8,000 people showed up. T.F. Tenney. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Brother Dixon told me last night, he said, the elders, they're almost all gone. Those, those fathers that laid, that, that placed the landmarks, he said, they're almost all gone. T.F. Denny's gone, passed away with the Lord. T.W. Barnes, greatest, one of the greatest prophets I've ever heard preach. When he stood up and preached, he had to see an old man. He had such a powerful voice, man. It shake, it shake the building. He's gone on to be with the Lord. So many of the elders, they paved the way. They paid a price. You still have it? You still have the landmark in place? Placed there by the Word of God. So remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. Verse 29 closing. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. This is another kind of man here that the king loves to be in fellowship with. You can stand. I know you're tired of sitting. And that's the man that's diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. You're a man that's diligent in business. You know what God's going to do? He's going to promote you. He's going to promote you. God will give you a promotion. That's what he's talking about. Congratulations, Brother Mark. Marine, on your promotion, brother. Amen. And this, and I mean this in sincerity, okay? I'm not using this to try to... Uh, there's no hidden motives, okay? But I just want you to know I appreciate y'all. Sister Sarah, Brother Mark, you know, Sister Sarah's Sunday school teacher, and uh, I've watched her grow and watched Brother Mark grow. But, uh, you know, Sister Sarah, I've talked to her a few times on the telephone. Brother Mark never talks to me. <laughs> He's just quiet. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but anyway, he did text me and tell me about his promotion. But uh, Sister Sarah, I've talked to her a few times on the phone, and there there were times in her life where, you know, she had to make some decisions. And I tell you, every time she talked to me on the phone, um, those times that she was trying to make decisions, okay, I tried not to really, I tried not to tell her what to do. But she had to make some decisions that would affect her life, you know. And every time she got it right, every time. Okay? Every time. And uh, I've watched her. And as her sister's in the church with her, and they're just like little busy bees in the church, you know, working hard. 
and just solid as a rock. I just want you to know I appreciate you guys. I really do. So God honored you, gave you a promotion. You're going to make less money, but you still got the title. <laughs> Hope not, right, brother? Hope not. Amen. No, you're probably going to actually do better. I don't know. But anyway, you never know about that. But you got the title, you got the promotion. But I want to tell you something. It's connected with your faithfulness to God. That's why. Okay? Your wife's faithfulness to God. Amen? You know? Uh, if you ever see somebody get promoted, don't look at the man. Look at the woman. So don't take credit for it. <laughs> okay? Alright? The woman's always the one in the background, I promise you. You know? So, but we're so happy. And that verse 29, I thought about you when I, when I read that verse in Proverbs. So, if you're diligently, God will promote you. Stand before kings. Hallelujah. And that's wonderful. So I pray tonight has been a blessing to you. We preached to you another, how many messages in, in one service. And,